everyone. Welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocks podcast. This is part two of my session with Israel Wayne from the Homegrown Generation Family Expo. It was such a great conference. And if you guys missed it, it is not too late for you to go back and have access to the entire conference. You can do that by going to homegrowngeneration.com. And when you sign up for this year's conference, which we held back in March of 23, you will have access to the entire conference that we did back in uh, 2020, which seems like a long time ago, but so much of the information is so relevant to today and to what we have going on today as well. And we had a great speaker lineup for the 2020 conference. We had Heidi St. John, Kurt Cameron, Israel Wayne was one of our speakers for that one as well, along with a long list of great speakers. So if you guys missed it, you can sign up for everything at homegrowngeneration.com. But before we get back into this conversation with Israel, I wanna say thank you to our sponsor, CTC Math. If you guys are looking for a great online math program, visit ctcmath.com, try them out for free, ctcmath.com. Now enjoy part two of my interview with Israel Wayne. I think as parents, we have to just, again, kind of deconstruct our, our government school paradigm mm. and realize that education and schooling are completely and totally different from each other. Yeah. Yeah. Let me take that one step further though and say, we have this idea that kids need to ace everything, right? You know, you see the bumper stickers, my kid is an honor student. Um, and, and it's always this competition of my kid got straight A's. My kid has a 4.0 GPA. Well, not every child is made to master every subject. I mean, you look at a mathematician, a mathematician is probably not going to be a historian and a scientist as well. Their specialty, the way that God created them, is to be excellent at math. And a scientist is created by God to be excellent at science. And a historian is created by God to be excellent at history. And that's the world. That's how the body of Christ works together. That's how we reveal his goodness, right? And his creativity is that he created us all so differently and so uniquely. And we all have different gifts and talents and abilities. And so why do we put so much pressure on our kids? to have to ace everything. You have to be an expert at every single one of these subjects and you have to be an athlete and you have to be an artist and you have to be able to play music and you have to do all these things. And we put pressure on our kids, even in the homeschool world. I'm not talking about just, you know, traditional schooled kids. I'm saying in the homeschool world, we do this same thing where we feel like we're somehow messing it up if our kids are not experts at all of the things. And that's so, that's such wrong thinking. You know, we have to look at our kids through the lens of, scripture and through the eyes of God, their creator, and see how he created them. And that's one of the greatest benefits of homeschooling is that we get to be students of our children and we don't put them in this perfect box when, you know, they're a round peg trying to fit into this and going, oh, they don't fit. Why am I frustrated? Why am, why is this homeschooling thing not working? Let's put them back in school into a different box. And it just doesn't make any sense. And so I'm so grateful for the blessings and the benefits of homeschooling because we get to look at our kids, we get to study them. And as they grow, we get to see who God created them to be so that they can fit into the perfect box that God created them to fit into. And, uh, and I, I just, I think it, it, I know for myself it has taken so much weight off just realizing my kids are who they are. They're going to do what God created them to do. And I don't have to put all that pressure on them or on myself. So one of the first things that I remember as a child that kind of gave me this idea that uh, you can be smart in different ways is um, one of my best friends when I was a kid. And I, I don't know why we end up having the friends that we do when we're uh -huh. children, but 
we would ride bikes around the neighborhood, you know, just a neighbor kid that uh, I grew up with. And he went to public school and his parents always had the bumper sticker. My <laughs> kid is on the honor roll at such and such elementary school and so forth. Always a top student, always top grades. And, and I was not a good academic student. I was homeschooled, but I struggled. I was dyslexic. I was ADHD. I actually didn't learn how to read. I don't, don't like brag about this, but I didn't learn how to read till I was like 11. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I struggled as a student. Yeah. And yet uh, this kid was one of the smartest kids in his class. And I, I could never figure that out because I knew him. Like we would go out and do stuff together. And I was always thinking to myself, how could he be the top student in his class? He is as dumb as a bag of rocks. <laughs> you know, like the one time he, when we were outside in the wintertime, he decided to go put his, stick his tongue to the flagpole oh, no. in the wintertime just to see what would happen. <laughs> Uh, another time he peed on the electric fence to see what would happen. You know, I mean, this kid is not bright. And yet he did really good on tests and he got really good grades. And here I was this totally stupid kid, you know, from, from the world's viewpoint, right? Because I couldn't read. And it wasn't that I was stupid. I was just dyslexic and, um, it didn't get identified, uh, you know, well, uh, early on. And, um, cause I was good at faking it anyway, long story there. But, uh, but, but, you know, as, as you grow up, you start to see that, um, there's just different kinds of intelligences, right? And some people can be super smart uh, in an area. I have a friend who is a PhD and that guy can't find anything, you know, (laughs) just loses his keys constantly. You know, he'll, he'll walk out of a store and he doesn't know where his car is, you know, (laughs) (laughs) brilliant in one area, but not in another. And, And so that's why I'm saying like this, this comparison that we have to have, like you were saying of, you know, our child has to be like other children. No, they don't. They have to be the best version of themselves that they can yeah. be. Really quickly, I know this is a, a little bit of a, a, a side trail, but I remember in the movie in, in Schoolhouse Rock. So Israel's part of our movie Schoolhouse Rock to the Homeschool Revolution. Um, he's one of our cast members and has a really important part in that film. And you talk in there about how your mom never even graduated high school and raised you as a single mom. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, mom, I find that to be remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, I dropped out of high school in uh, ninth grade, homeschooled um, six kids, started her own business. Uh, pretty amazing story. But yeah, she she was a she was a hippie. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting because there's a kind of a new awakened uh, yeah. awareness of the hippie movement with this uh, Jesus Revolution. The Jesus Revolution. Yeah. But my mom was uh, was a hippie and she didn't become a Christian until I was 12. Oh, wow. So she homeschooled us initially, but not for religious reasons. And then when she became a Christian, then she was a Jesus freak, right? And so that was a whole new experience for us. But uh, but yeah, my mom uh, taught us. And, and so let me just jump on that real quick. I remember when I was 12 years old, I was getting ready to start doing high school classes. And she said, you probably wonder how it is that you're going to be able to do high school with me as your teacher when I didn't even go to high school. Yeah. I said, yeah, that, that's kind of a good question. Like, how, How's that going to work? And she said, well, I've made a few commitments to you, and I just want to tell you what they are. She said, I've made a commitment to teach you how to read. And she said, that's been really painful, but you know, we're, we're, we're making progress on that. I mean, by this time, I'd been, I would say, kind of functionally reading for about a year, uh-huh. right, when I'm 12. And she said, so you're starting to read. But she said, my view is I don't have to teach you everything that there is to know in the universe because I don't know it all, and you'll forget most of it anyway but I've made a few commitments. I'm going to teach you how to read. Mm -hmm. I'm going to teach you how to think. I'm going to teach you how to reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to teach you how to study and how to learn. And she said, if you know how to read and you know how to reason and you know how to study, where to get the information that you need to get in life, you can teach yourself 
anything that you want to learn in life. And so I'm going to give you the tools of education that enable you to teach yourself and you can learn anything you want to learn. And she said, and what you do with that is up to you. Yeah. If you want to squander that and waste your time and waste your life and not apply yourself, that's on you. Because all I can do is give you an opportunity. I can't force you to learn. I can't make you learn, but I can give you an opportunity. And I've done that and I will do that. But she said, it's ultimately going to be what you make of it. And it was kind of like the Chinese proverb of you can give a man a fish or you can teach him how to fish. Uh My mom taught me how to think and how Mm -hmm. to to learn and how to be a lifelong learner. And so if my single parent high school dropout mom can do that with a dyslexic ADHD student, uh, I think anybody can homeschool. You just have to teach your child how to learn. Right. As opposed to, again, trying to cram their head full of all this information. Yeah. Let, let's park there for just a second. Now, now we're going off just a little bit, but talk to the mom who has a child who really has no interest in learning. They they literally have no desire whatsoever. They just want to play video games all day, or they want to play outside all day, or they just want to you know curl up in bed all day. I mean, they just don't care. And this mom is frustrated and she's pulling her hair out and she's like, I don't know what to do with this kid. They're lazy. They have no desire. How would you encourage that mom? What would you encourage her to do? Well, I, let me jump in real quick here with a, a plug for a book. Okay. <laughs> I can. This yeah, book is called Answers for Homeschooling, mm-hmm. the top 25 questions critics Great ask. Book. And uh, this book literally answers almost every conceivable question that's ever been asked about homeschooling. Yeah. <laughs> And so I deal with so many of these things in this book. So you can find it at our website, uh, familyrenewal.org. Yep. But look for answers for homeschooling, top 25 questions. But on this particular one, I hit that stage when I was about nine years old. And my mom realized that I had really only one interest, and that was baseball. No parent should homeschool alone. You have a God-given calling to bring up your child to love God and to steward His creation. And BJU Press exists to help you be successful in that endeavor. Visit their website at bjupresshomeschool.com or call 1-800-845-5731 to connect with an experienced homeschool consultant. Apologia supports homeschool families with Christ-centered K-12 homeschool curriculum designed to engage your student as they experience the awe and wonder of creation and their creator. Designed by leading scholars with a biblical worldview, Apologia's award-winning curriculum is written in a conversational tone directly to the student to encourage independence. Hands-on activities and experiments help students solidify the concepts they're exploring and build a lifelong love of learning. Visit us at Apologia.com. I hit that stage when I was about nine years old, and my mom realized that I had really only one interest, and that was baseball. Mm. And so... This was before I had ever heard of unit studies or anybody had ever used that term. I don't even know if it was a coined term at the time, but my mom basically invented this concept of unit studies for me. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not saying she invented unit studies, but I mean, that's what it was. Yeah. And she basically made my whole year that year be all about baseball. So for math, for example, I learned how to do percentages by studying uh, batting averages and earn run averages on baseball cards. I 
I was uh, learning history by studying about the history of baseball and then how it fit into the timeline of everything else that was happening. So we studied about um, Jackie Robinson and integration and how there you know, had been segregated leagues. And so we learned about that, but we also learned about like what happened during World War II and that Ted Williams was actually in the military and got drafted, you know, all these different things, or I think he volunteered actually. But you know, how, how there was like all these other things that were going on in the world while still following the baseball track, right? And yeah. uh, one of the assignments that she gave me, which now seems kind of crazy for a nine-year-old, but she told me she wanted me to make a pr- proposal to an imaginary city uh, that I want to build a, a baseball stadium and to calculate somehow, had to research it, how much would this cost? So if it was going to cost, you know, $70 million to build the stadium, uh, how, mu- how long would it take me to recoup that money based on ticket sales? Mm-hmm. And so that was awesome to me because I knew so much about baseball. I could tell you every fact there was to know about baseball, but I knew that the bleacher seats were this much and the mezzanine seats were this much and you know and the the seats over the dugout were this much and so i had to calculate how many seats the stadium had how much potential if you filled all the seats how much you could make per game there's 162 games a year how much you'd make annually but then you have player salaries like i was so obsessed with baseball <laughs> at that time that i just wanted to learn and so then she had me uh study like what makes a curveball curve so oh, wow. physics yeah. and science wow. was on learning about the physics of a curveball. And I was obsessed for the whole year and just couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. I'm sure it was really hard on my mom because there's no written curriculum for this, right? She's right. just having to kind of use the library. And, and there's no internet. And right. <laughs> and so, uh, but what, what an amazing opportunity for me to just hone in and do a yeah. deep dive on my interest, you know, for a whole year. Now, in one sense, uh, that's very difficult to sustain. I get that. And, uh, you know, that may not be terribly practical if you're trying to homeschool four children and you got this one child. Right. But I think that's what I'm trying to show with that is just that homeschooling can give you a completely different paradigm where you don't have yeah. to do things like the public school. Right. You can create your own path. You can make a completely different approach um, and and hone in on your child's one interest if that's all they have. Yeah. Another thing I would say there is if possible, and this isn't always possible, in my case, it wasn't possible. But in those cases, you often have to get dad involved as well. Mm-hmm. Because when mom's trying to pull the whole you know cart up the hill by herself, um, it's really unfair and unreasonable. Yeah. But oftentimes dads can come along if they're willing and, and if they are uh, agreeable to it, they can come along and just be a humongous help mm-hmm. and sometimes teaching it in a different way. Yeah. spending a little time working with the homework, tutoring, whatever. And, sure. and sometimes you'll see that they can connect or communicate in a way that sometimes mom doesn't. And then finally, there are some things that we just have to do, even though it's not fun and we don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so there's a certain amount of just dedication because we all have in our jobs things that we like and things we don't like, and we yeah. have to do all of it. And so, you know, t- you can't just say, oh, well, my child doesn't like this, so we're not going to do it. Right there is a point where you have to teach your child to be diligent as well. Sure. And for mom and dad, they have to be diligent too. You know, it takes intentionality for us as moms to figure out what works best for our kids. And it it would be nice if all of our kids fit perfectly into that box. They all learned the same. They all wanted to learn the same thing, had the same interests, had the same giftings, but it doesn't work that way. Praise God, it doesn't work that way. We'd live in a very boring world if we all thought and learned exactly the same way. But as parents, we have to be intentional in the way that we teach our kids, right? And 
it takes work for a mom to be able to do that. So we also can't be lazy. I think sometimes moms come into homeschooling thinking, oh, this, you know, I'll just throw this curriculum at them and they'll be fine. And there are lots of resources and, and we, are, you know, we outsource lots of stuff, you know, CTC math, uh, BJU Press has amazing online courses, you know, so some of our subjects for some of our, for our girls during some of the years, we've outsourced things. I'm not a math person. I cannot teach my kids math because remember, algebra doesn't really matter for me. Um, so I can't teach that to my kids, but there are sources that I can use to teach those. And so you can outsource some of the stuff, but we still have to be intentional about teaching them and being flexible and able and willing to change things when they're not working. Um, and realizing, like you said, every kid is so different and, and really honing in on their strengths. Some kids are super academic, some are not, but they have other strengths. And so helping our kids to realize what strengths they have um, is so important. So I'd like to jump in on that too, real quick, if I can. Yeah, I, I should of say, uh, I did video high school. So uh -huh. I had traditional textbooks, okay. but video classroom supplements yeah. at the same time. I know BJU offers that. Yeah. That's, that's the kind of thing that I did in high school. Right. Um, and that was helpful because basically I had teachers who were able to teach me these classes, even though I'm still uh -huh. at home. Uh, my mom would still do the grading and all of that because yep. she had a teacher guide with an, an answer key, right? But that was helpful for me. So, you know, at a time where uh, she's working with younger children mm -hmm. that she's having to give her, you know, one-on-one -on -one attention. Yeah. It, was, it was a lot like sitting in class for me in high school because I'm sure. watching the video doing the text. So it was a lot like a classroom experience, but yeah. that was helpful for me. And that still is an option for some people. Yeah. So I wanted to mention that, that that worked very well for me in high school. Absolutely. And co-ops as well. You know, both of our girls do co-ops this year and, um, and it's fun. They love being able to learn from other people who we trust. Um, they don't learn everything from them, but they are learning how to cook and they're learning creation science and, you know, different things. And it's amazing. And uh, so, yeah, so many great resources out there for us, moms. You don't have to do it all alone. Um, all right. What's your next point? I, I, we have a few minutes. And again, if you guys have questions, please pop those in. We would love to answer them. Um, but I'll, I'll let you continue on with, with so, some of the so mistakes. One is, is what I call the myth of the magic curriculum. And so I was at a homeschool conference. I was talking to a mom and she came up to me at the booth and she, after, you know, she'd heard me speak and she said, what math curriculum do you recommend? <sighs> and I said, well, tell me about your situation. She said, well, I have this daughter who's 11 years old. And she said, we just have not found a math program that works for her. And I said, okay, so what have you used? You know, and she went down through this whole list and and uh, I'll, you know, just throw out some names, but I'm not, I'm not endorsing or, mm -hmm. or condemning anybody. I'm just throwing out names. But she said, well, we've tried teaching textbooks. We've tried Saxon. We've tried Matthew C. We've tried Abeka. We've tried Bob Jones. We tried, you know, she just goes through this whole list, right? And so I'm going, wow. And she had bought like nine different math curriculum programs. And so what she says, we're, we're trying to find a good math program. <laughs> and I didn't mean to laugh, but I just did. Uh, and I said, well, you know, can I just throw an idea at you? And she's like, okay. And I said, I'm just going to suggest the problem is probably not that there's something mortally wrong with any of those math programs, although they are different from each other uh -huh. and some of them have different approaches and so forth. The problem is very likely that your daughter doesn't like math, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, that's a real possibility here and that you could spend another, you know, $3,000 on math programs. And it may just be that she just doesn't like 
math. And, yeah. you know, that's how it works sometimes. I don't particularly like lima beans. You know, you could probably, <laughs> when people say, oh, you know, you just haven't had them right. You know, I can fix them in a way that you'll let. Well, probably not, actually. Like, you can make the best lima beans on the planet. What if you, you put bacon the on them, Israel? You bean <laughs> chef there is. And I probably, personally, I probably still are not really going to connect to those lima beans. And so there is a sense sometimes where I think parents often throw way too much money at curriculum thinking that the curriculum is the problem or that the curriculum is going to solve the problem that their student is having. And oftentimes it's just as very, very simple as your child does not like math and they won't. And mm -hmm. it's one of those things that they, they don't necessarily have to enjoy it. Yeah, They do need to learn it. And there's probably not going to be a perfect magic curriculum that they just think is fun. Yeah. And I think sometimes we do fall into too much of a trap of of trying to make everything fun for our child. And I know I, I sound like I'm contradicting myself after what I said of a year of learning baseball, right? There, so there's a balance sure. there. I think homeschooling does you, give you the capacity, if you can, to make something more enjoyable rather than less. And that's always a, a desirable goal. If you can make something less painful for your child, that's great. But at the end of the day, your child, you will always have a child who doesn't like writing or doesn't like English or doesn't like history or whatever it is. And they're all going to be different. But sometimes you just have to learn how to slog through some things. And yeah. we can't always just blame it on the curriculum. And it's not always wise. Sometimes it is. Right. It's not always wise to just throw money at, at curriculum and think, well, if I just spend a few more thousand dollars, then that's going to fix the problem. I hope you've enjoyed part two of my interview with Israel Wayne from the Homegrown Generation Family Expo. Again, it is not too late for you guys to sign up for that conference. Homegrowngeneration.com. Sign up, look in the show notes for a discount code, and you will have access to the entire conference. It is such an encouragement. I love listening to these sessions over and over again, and God has just been so gracious to provide an incredible speaker lineup for us. So visit homegrowngeneration.com. Thank you guys for listening. You can find out everything you need to know about the Schoolhouse Rocked ministry by going to our website at schoolhouserocked.com. Make sure you stay tuned to the very end of this show for a clip of what's coming next on the podcast. What we do at IEW is break through the, the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts, and we say, this is what you do, step by step. And I've witnessed it over and over again, both watching Andrew teach and hearing from parents, this is the best writing program. We've made it so easy and made it really affordable. So any mom can teach writing to their children using our course, and we guarantee it. To try three weeks of free lessons, visit IEW.com slash rocked. This concept of, of, I call it drill and kill, where we're just gonna go through 42 sentences a day diagramming. <laughs> what it does is it frustrates the student and it yeah. makes them hate learning. And you don't have to do that. Just realize you don't have to like do every single drill or every single question on the test right. if it's just repetitive drill right. information. Yeah. So you can skip a lot of that. You can say, look, if there's 42 of those, do five and then let's move on to the next thing. 